Don't let a DUI charge ruin your life. Get a professional and confidential evaluation from our experienced team at True Heights Treatment. Our evaluations are accepted by the majority of courts in the state of Illinois and provide a comprehensive assessment of your substance use patterns and potential treatment needs. Get the help you need today and start your path to a brighter future. Contact us now to schedule your evaluation at 708-248-7039 or at thtdui.com. The George Brassy Podcast is made possible with funding provided from Brassy Global Strategies, LLC, a leading political consulting, public policy, government affairs, and research firm. Are you interested in running for elected office? Need advice? Call or email George, 708-769-5015. Brassy Global Strategies 1 at gmail.com. Hey everyone, it's George. I'm so glad to welcome Mark Pesakovich to the podcast. Mark, thanks for coming on. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Mark, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and how did you become a lobbyist and consultant? Well, I um, first of all, I um, uh, came here as an immigrant from uh, another country when I was 10 years old, actually as a refugee. Uh, and uh, that informed my interest in politics, actually, because, you know, one of the first things I learned um, as I was, you know, initially growing up in Russia was how to lie, how to say, no, I'm not Jewish or, you know, no, my parents don't have money or, you know, whatever it is, I sort of had to um, very early on become a chameleon in a communist world. And one of the things I learned is that you can't say what you think about politicians that could get you in real trouble. So when I came here and saw the rough and tumble democracy, um, it gave me an initial interest in politics. And actually, you know, I was sort of always one of those kids who was interested in watching the news or reading the newspapers, although we could never afford newspapers uh, early uh, after we came here. But, uh, you know, I was at the library a lot. Um, and uh, I went to um, college where I uh, was on a, a political um, uh, science track. Uh, and um, an advisor in college introduced me to an unknown woman at that point whose name was Jan Schakowsky. Um, and I participated as an internship for college. I participated in her first successful campaign for state representative. And so that put me on a very long track of sort of uh, public affairs, government relations, communications, track of jobs. Um, I had, you know, pleasure of doing really a lot of things, started my careers. Uh, running an organization that helped people with disability benefits, then went to a labor union, um, then went to a sort of the Jewish version of the NAACP, uh, a Jewish, you know, public interest, public affairs group, and then um, ultimately spent uh, uh, close to 20 years, I think 18 or 19 years, uh, as head of government relations for the American Heart Association and 
American Stroke Association in Illinois. And so, uh, you know, uh, in, in 2016, 2017, I finally uh, was grown up enough to go out on my own and um, met some people, got some clients, and here I am working on interesting issues uh, as a lobbyist and, um, you know, definitely like not an A-list celebrity kind of a lobbyist, but, you know, I, I, I have more success than I deserve, so I will not complain. Mark, that transition from growing up in Russia to your 10 years old to coming to the United States, what does that do to a 10-year-old's mind? Well, I can, I, I, you know what, I, I, let me just give you an example. One of the things that, um, uh, that I um, experienced that I will never forget was walking into a Dominic's grocery store for the first time. Um, and even though by that time, you know, because when you leave Russia as a Jewish refugee, um, which we did in 1980, uh, you go to uh, Austria where you spend a few weeks um, while you're paperwork catches up with you then you go to Italy for um, you know uh, several months uh, and then you come to America uh, I will never forget the first time I walked into Dominic's my my jaw just dropped and it was you know it was like being in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory for somebody else uh, so you know it's uh, uh, it, it's it's something that um, you know, I will never forget, and I really understand what it's like to be here. Um, and, you know, I, I had strange experiences, everything from the horrible to the wonderful. You know, we left um, because, uh, you know, I mean, I got beaten up in first grade in my school by other first graders for being a kite. And, um, uh, you know, after that, we left. We came here. I went to a very ritzy Jewish day school on a full scholarship. And there, you know, the well-off Jewish kids weren't particularly enamored with me for being a Russian or being different, just like the Russian kids in Moscow weren't enamored with me for being a Jew. So um, you learn how to adapt uh, and um, you learn how to articulate things and express yourself. Uh, and you, you sort of have the good and the bad and, um, you know, uh, the other thing it did is put me on equal footing at, you know, 12 years old with my parents because I had to help them understand things. Um, so I don't know. Uh, unless you want to make this a uh, psychiatry session, I'll stop there. Mark, when you think of how there's been uh, in recent years more interest in far left ideas like socialism or communism, Given the fact that you grew up in the last de decade of the Soviet Union, does that raise any suspicion for you? Um, you know, I mean, certainly it does, but I'll tell you why it does. It's not even which particular ism it is. It's just that it is an ism. And I find that isms don't comport neatly into people's minds. Um, uh, you know, and you, you gave me homework to talk about books, and I know we'll do that later. But uh, you know, one of the books I uh, remember is uh, you know something about the Holocaust, which sort of gave me 
an option or an, uh, a view into the sort of the banality of evil, how people can be, you know, loving husbands and fathers and be, you know, going to work every day, murdering thousands of people. So um, I, I just think that most of the systems that we put up are not absolute systems. And I don't think we have any right to expect that any of them will be any better than the people who are in charge of them. And that's really all of us. Um, so, I, you know, uh, on the one hand, uh, yes, you want to control your own destiny in America. On the other hand, um, you know, if a disaster hits, you want federal government money. If, you know, you lose your job, you want money. If you become disabled, you want money. If you are a farmer who does poorly uh, on a crop, you want money from the federal government. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, even people like Darren Bailey looks like have gotten lots of handouts from the federal government. And, um, you know, who would have thunk that he was a communist? So I think it's just, you know, the isms uh, don't really work well. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more of a believer, actually, and I'm not really religious, but the golden rule really seems like I really do believe, you know, and I didn't, you know, it's not on my list of books, but I think, you know, everything you needed to no, you learned in kindergarten from, you know, wash your hands to be nice to people, to don't hit anyone, are, uh, are all things that uh, we, ten we tend to forget. Now, you know, now let me give you a, a perfect example. Everybody talks about the free market and how the free market is wonderful. Um, and why is that? It's because it's based on this notion that when people make the choices that is the most efficient way to come to a rational place. And so what this model depends on is rational decision-making, the ROI, the pluses and minuses of choosing a product, making a decision, um, you know, and that's how society overall balances is each individual making a rational decision. Okay, well, that might work at a grocery store. Even there, though, I would argue we have been corrupted by emotions that have been <laughs> sort of brought to us by, you know, years of commercials uh, that evoke certain emotions, you know, evoke certain emotions when we see a certain product. But not even going to talk about that. Let's talk about healthcare, okay? Uh, it's it's really rational, and I want everybody to be considerate and use the healthcare that they need, um, and be considerate of others, and you know take turns and make rational decisions. That is, you know, uh, cost benefit analysis. And if you think about healthcare, it's a perfect example. You know, if somebody's kid is sick they couldn't care less how much it costs, okay? They believe that they need the help from society to help heal their child, even if it's 
millions of dollars and you could, you know, give a thousand kids glasses or something for it. So the point is, is that we talk about rationality in decision making in sort of the capitalist system, um, which, you know, is attributing rationality to people uh, is generally, um, you know, well, I don't know how successful it is over time, but uh, again, I'll stop here. Mark, tell the listeners a little bit about your work in the cannabis industry in the state of Illinois. Sure. Um, Well, so I have um, the benefit of um, having worked for, you know, a major voluntary health organization um, for, you know, uh, almost a couple of decades. Uh, And so I was very conversant in um, the issues related to cannabis. You know, the other reason why I was conversant is because I'm a cannabis user. have been public about it uh, long before it became cool, which is why um, early on after medical cannabis was legalized in Illinois, uh, one of my uh, friends came to me and asked for help um, uh, uh, applying for uh, medical cannabis licenses. And uh, that's where my journey started. Um, uh, I, you know, I, uh, early on, um, and by the time adult use legalization, uh, came around, I was sufficiently, ver- was well-versed enough, um, to, um, to be sort of at the table when the adult use was written. And so I sort of had a good, you know, good worm's eye view of the nooks and crannies um, of of the uh, law in Illinois. And so after the law passed and cannabis became legal and the application process opened up, um, I had, I participated in a number of um, uh, license applications as a consultant because, you know, people were sort of saying, Mm -hmm. hey, uh, you know, you were there, you know, you know where the bodies are buried. You were there when the thing was written. You know what they're looking for. Um, will you advise us on this? And then subsequently, as people, you know, filed applications and got involved in the cannabis industry, um, they realized that they needed people um, in City Hall or in the state capitol or you know, on the hill in Washington that could, that knew how traffic flowed in that kind of decision making in government um, and could, you know, I, I sometimes compare myself to a plumber because, you know, I just try to clear clogs. Um, and so, yes, a, a number of my clients are cannabis related. And now I actually am working on a lot of issues that are related to hemp and hemp-derived cannabinoids. So, um, you know, if you have driven by a a smoke shop or a CBD store and, you know, it said Delta 8 on the window and you wondered what that means, I can actually explain it to you. Uh, You know what I mean? So uh, there's the sort of the legal um, uh, licensed 
Delta 9 THC, which is, you know, what's gotten people high for centuries and millennia, uh, that it's been around evolving with humans. Um, but there are, you know, probably whatever, 100, 200 active compounds in, in that cannabis plant, the hemp plant, the marijuana plant, same plant, different names for it. And, you know, sort of where we classify it in terms of legal or illegal uh, is a definition that's evolved over time. And so a lot of the hemp stuff uh, is um, actually legal. Um, uh, and I'm working with some of those hemp manufacturers um, to make sure, number one, that they don't get outlawed, but number two, that there is strict regulation. Because, you know, I work with the type of folks who have invested millions of dollars in doing Delta 8, and then there are sort of people who are, you know, making it in their garage and basement and poisoning people. And so, uh, you know, the, the folks that I work for actually <laughs> want more regulation. Um, very importantly right now, they want a limited, you know, right now a 15-year-old um, kid could walk into a gas station. They couldn't buy cigarettes, but they could buy a hemp cigarette. Um, and so we believe, you know, we're, we believe that hemp-related hemp consumer products should be for 21 and over, and um, that's something we'll be working on in the coming months. So it's, uh, you know, uh, you talk about cannabis, again, that's, you know, pot, weed, whatever. It's also hemp, um, uh, you know, or a lot of people <laughs> might call it ditch weed uh, because it looks like, you know, pot, but it doesn't get you high, which is exactly what hemp is. Um, and uh, it's been fascinating. It's been evolving over time. There are, you know, lots of developments. Uh, the state, you know, has not done a great job rolling out the program, rolling out the licensing process, doing the administrative things, you know, doing things like adding and subtracting. And so uh, the process has been very frustrating and uh, the licensing process and has taken a long time. And so, uh, you know, there is a need for somebody like me to help people um, navigate that process. But, you know, that said, uh, you know, I also represent a construction company. So it's not, you know, like, a, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I just do pot. Um, but that is, a, you know, an area uh, of growing interest, um, certainly uh, in terms of legalization and regulation. In a hypothetical world, if Darren Bailey becomes the next governor of Illinois, do you think we still have the strong cannabis industry that we do now? Well, I would argue that it's not that strong. <laughs> there are, you know, maybe 20 large companies that own the legal cannabis industry in Illinois. So, it's, you know, I would say maybe 100, 200 rich white guys. Uh, and I think they, you know, I don't think it'll be outlawed if Darren Bailey uh, becomes governor in part because it's the law of the land. And even if very hypothetically, he became governor, I doubt that the Illinois General Assembly would, you know, become majority Republican, uh, given the stark differences in, in the numbers between 
the majority Democrats and the minority Republicans. So, yeah, I think it would be fine. I think in particular the rich guys and, you know, even smaller folks who could afford somebody like me will by and large be fine. But the reality is, is that uh, this whole industry was stood up to try to help people who were, you know, somehow hurt by the illegal, ineffective, um, thankfully, hopefully, mostly dead war on drugs, which itself was, you know, uh, in many ways utilized just as an acceptable form of racism. Um, so there are a lot of people out there whose lives have been ruined by, um, you know, doing the very things that I've done uh, in my life. And, um, you know, ostensibly, they should have um, some benefit from legalization of cannabis. And I certainly, you know, I don't think the current administration has done a great job. So I certainly um, don't see the new administration doing a great job in, in part just because I think, you know, in some ways he'd probably just want to be as hands off as possible because he doesn't want to have to explain his involvement in cannabis to his core constituency. Um, but the bottom line is I think it would survive. Mark, the last question we ask are what are two books you'd recommend to the audience that have been important to you and why? Uh, so uh, the couple of books I um, uh, thought about as really uh, giving me a deeper understanding into human nature and to, and to into the uh, psyche of the people that, you know, we deal with day in and day out. Um, one was a book called Night by Elie Wiesel, um, a famous uh, Jewish author who's a concentration camp survivor who wrote about the Holocaust. Um, and Night is a fictional book that, you know, is uh, basically, you know, <laughs> pick any number of, you know, uh, young men among the six million killed and other millions maimed and, you know, sort of broken for life. Take any one of those experiences and it could be a book from them. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, it really just demonstrates the banality of, of um, evil. Um, uh, you know, um, people would gas, you know, run the gas chambers and then, you know, they might go see their family on the weekend and hug their kids and have a picnic. And to me, that's just so incongruent um, that it helped me understand that uh, all of us have, um, you know, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it certainly helped inform my um, perspective on politics and racism. Uh, you know, I never claimed to be because of my experience as a guy who, you know, has pigmentation, but I always like to say that perhaps I am, you know, a little more empathetic than, uh, you know, a, you know, a, a, an American born Caucasian male. Um, so night is one book. And the other one that really, you know, helped me understand politics without even necessarily needing to understand politics was reading animal farm. Um, 
in high school and animal farms essentially you know sort of a comedy and a tragedy because it's a book about uh you know animals uh obviously but it's also a book about politics uh and it uses these very simple um you know propositions to really help explain you know i think you know most of the time if politicians you know want to make a horse and they take an elephant and a mouse and they you know get a giraffe they say hey that's close enough to a horse we'll take it um you know and, and that sort of ridiculousness um you know was uh something that i that 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 book helped me understand and has informed my approach because you know, I, I always try to say, uh, you know, when I get heated under the collar uh, as a lobbyist, I always try to remind myself, don't take it personally. Don't attribute to malice that which can be explained by stupidity. That's one of my basic operating principles. And, and you know, I think that book helped me um, succeed in my current career. Mark, if somebody would be interested in working with you, learning about your business, how would they find you on the internet? Uh, my website, uh, uh, very uh, uh, basic website is MB. Help George stay on the Chicago Heights City Council. Go and donate today at tinyurl.com slash aldermangeorge2023. Need more George? Like his pages on Facebook. Friends of George Brassy PAC, Fifth Ward Business Alliance, Chicago Heights Bicycle and Pedestrian Resource Center, and the George Brassy Podcast. Begin to transform your life and work towards inner peace with expert psychotherapy. At True Heights Treatment, our experienced therapists provide personalized, compassionate care to help you overcome life's challenges and reach your goals. Whether you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationship issues, or other mental health concerns, our team is here to support you. With a warm and welcoming in-person and virtual office atmosphere and a commitment to person-centered and evidence-based treatments, we are dedicated to helping you address your life's challenges. Contact us now to schedule your first session at 708-248-7039 or online at trueheightstx.com. Book your appointment today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier life. Need more George? Like his pages on Facebook. Friends of George Brassy PAC, Fifth Ward Business Alliance, Chicago Heights Bicycle and Pedestrian Resource Center, and the George Brassy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>